Work all night and I drink a rum. Daylight come and we want to stack banana till the morning come. It's showtime! Welcome to the Movie Ladder Podcast, where we're all about cinematic connections. Each week we're discussing a movie that connects to the movie from the previous week's podcast. My name is Zach Brooks, I'm in my tuxedo, and I am joined by a man in his wedding dress... Introduce how, yourself. How dare you? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I, thought about saying I, I thought about saying I'm in my plaid shirt with uh, khakis on. Because that is like kind of just like normal when, you know, we used yeah, to have to I, go into offices. That was what we would wear. I'm not wearing my plaid shirt either. So I do feel a little underdressed for this. I'm also not wearing a tuxedo T-shirt, but I did think about putting one on just for this record. But uh, oh, yes, okay. I'm I'm Brenda Fitzpatrick and I am happy to be here. Welcome to the Movie Ladder Podcast. Our sloppiest intro yet. Uh, so last week we talked about Harold and Maude with special guest Aaron Brooks, super fan of Harold and Maude. And this week, enjoyed that one. due to a connection of a young character obsessed with death in a large house connection, I guess that's what we're calling sure. it, uh, we will be discussing Beetlejuice, starring all kinds of people, including Alec Baldwin, Gina Davis, uh, Michael Keaton, of course, as the titular mm-hmm. Beetlejuice, Winona Ryder as the connected character, Lydia, who is the herald of this movie. So, uh, that is... Catherine O'Hara. Uh, and, yes, and MVP of this movie, potentially, Catherine MVP. O'Hara. Yeah. Then at the end of this podcast, we will uh, be picking our movie for next week based on connections sent in from our undead listeners and uh, your hosts, who are your, uh, what would you call our hosts? The, uh, the Lost Souls, I guess. Sure. The, the souls who can't move on. The souls that are that still have a lot of work to do before they're given their uh, permission slip to move on. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, of course, we will be spoiling Beetlejuice beyond what we've already been talking about. So if you haven't seen Beetlejuice, uh, check it out. It's it's October. It's a spooky movie. It's the perfect time to go watch Beetlejuice. Uh, it is available for rental. I did not find it anywhere streaming for free. I don't know if you did. I did not. Um, I, I did rent it on Amazon, and I will say that it's, I mean, because it's such a nostalgia kick, it's one of those movies that, as a kid born in 1980, it's one of those movies that I grew up with. So I didn't mind slapping down the $3.99 on Amazon to rewatch this one and actually considered um, spending the $14.99 to just own it outright. Because, you know, uh, Amazon libraries are the new DVD bookshelf. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Uh, And uh, the thing I want to remember to say, and I'm not always remembering to say this, is uh, don't forget to check out your local library. If you've got a Blu-ray or DVD player, a lot of libraries, my library is doing like you just place a reservation and go pick it up. They're not open for browsing. But, uh, you know, when when you can't find it for free before you plop down that three bucks and give it to Jeff Bezos, Mm -hmm. uh, try to use your local library. Make Make a request. And you can actually still get, if you have a Netflix subscription and it's not streaming on Netflix, you can still get the Netflix DVD rental of this. They still do um, the red envelopes? They still do the red DVDs. Uh, in fact, uh, Sean Fennessy from The Ringer still has a, uh, admitted today that he still has DVDs delivered via the red envelope with Netflix. And I, I didn't realize they were still doing that either until he said it. So huh. I was like, wow, I can't believe some people still do that. But, you know. 
Oh, man, maybe I'll reactivate my red envelope just so I can get a DVD to sit on top of my DVD player for two and a half months. Absolutely, or two and a half years. Yeah, or two. And a, did yeah. you have Did you have one that sat that sat on your DVD player for like three years? Uh, well, <laughs> I had uh Max DVDs from The Wire season three for a long uh, time. Okay. Uh, but I yeah I, I did I I think the last couple months that I had Netflix was just one movie that I had that I was paying like fifty dollars for total. So. <laughs> Um, and I don't think I, I don't know what it even is. I probably could go back and find it in my history. Uh, trust fund kid. Yeah, exactly. Uh, anyway, so uh, yes, there are all the places where you can get Beetlejuice if you want to watch it or you listen to us to ha- talk about it. So you can just pause or you can just say Beetlejuice three times and see what happens. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, you can go back and watch it and uh, then come listen to our discussion. We'll also put the timestamp when you can jump ahead to our pick for next week's movie as well. Absolutely. So, uh, and every week we are asking for your feedback ratings, questions, and of course, next movie connections. So you can send them to us at Ladder Movie on Letterboxd and Twitter, and the movie ladder at gmail.com is where you can send in your email. So at the end of this podcast, we will be picking next week's movie, and then we'll see what we'll be watching. Maybe we'll continue on with the spooky theme for next week. We'll see. Ooh. All right. Uh, well, what do you think? What was the best thing you watched this week, Brendan? So I watched the net speaking of spooky things and it is the spookiest month. I have been um, basically going through a bunch of spooky content. Mm -hmm. Uh, The best thing of the three things I watched over the weekend is the Netflix follow up to Haunting of Hill House, the Haunting of Blind Manor. Oh, my brother's been watching that. Um, A lot of people are saying that it's not that scary. I kind of disagree. I mean, there's a lot of really creepy kooky ghosts. Uh, there's a lot of general creepiness. It's not, like, gory scary. It's not, like, serial killer scary or slasher film scary, but it is creepy, unnerving scary, and a lot of that is on the back of the performances of two child actors who, they, what, the cool thing they did is they reused a lot of the same actors and actresses from Haunting of Hill House and just gave them new characters for this. Oh, so it's like American Horror Story. yeah. Including some of the kid actors, and two of the two kid actors are absolutely fantastic. And if the, especially the uh, child who plays Flora is incredibly good, and you may recognize her voice as the voice of Peppa Pig. Uh, I've never watched Peppa Pig, unfortunately. Uh, but, well, some of our one. listeners who have kids may 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 recognize or the voice. ones without kids, or ones like without. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Peppa the Pig. Uh, I Peppa really the Peppa the Pig. Um, Chucky the Cheese. So I really enjoyed it. Um, it I did not binge it. I actually took it throughout the whole weekend since I had a you know long weekend. Finished it up yesterday. Um, I think that's the way to go with it is space it out a little. I mean, you certainly don't want to binge a show like this that at least for me I found to be very intense. Um, and sometimes even, like, there are several jump scares throughout. Uh, episode 5, it specifically, does some really incredible things, narratively speaking, with the way they tell the story. And it's very character-focused on the most intriguing character up to that point. They do a character-centric focus on that character. Oh, that's um, always fun when they do that on shows. Yeah, without getting yeah. any, without giving any spoilers. Um, it, that is definitely, I think, the best episode of the season. Um... I will say that I didn't think it finished as strongly as it started um, with the final two episodes, but I still enjoyed the entire ride, and I really hope they do another one, in, and hopefully they won't take two years for it to come out, but who knows? 
So <laughs> I'm going to ask the question that everybody asked. Do you need to have watched season one to watch? Absolutely season two? not. No, because you know, it's an anthology. No. It's a it's an anthology. It's a completely separate story. No characters are connected. Just actors. Yeah. Uh, and if anybody else is watching that show, I know my brother, uh, when we were talking on the Fargo podcast last night, mm-hmm. he said at the end that he's actually going to be doing, and I, I knew this because he's been watching it while he's been home, he's going to be doing a podcast on The Haunting of Bly Manor uh, oh, on was, Friday. He's okay, doing. I saw something on his Twitter about that, and I was wondering what that was about. Yeah, um, so it's, it's not a podcast, yeah. it's just a YouTube video. Okay. Um but That's it'll cool. be, I mean, it's basically a podcast. It's just, he, he's just putting it on YouTube. Um, so follow him at Aaron J-A-Y Brooks to see more information about that. I'll retweet it if I see it. That sounds well. cool. Um, what about you? What did you watch this weekend? So uh, I, I just looked at my letterbox and the, I've only watched one movie in between oh, no. Beetlejuice and Harold and Maude. But luckily it's a great movie. And uh, I'm sure it's one of you and I actually have discussed on another podcast, oh. uh, on my other feed, Dial P for Podcast. And that is Avengers Endgame. What? Never heard of it. Uh, yeah, rewatched it this weekend. Uh, as uh, most of you know, there's the post-show recaps. Everything is super podcast. They've been going through the MCU every movie. They're up to Avengers Endgame, and it was just so good to rewatch this. I was so happy mm-hmm. uh, watching this. It brought back great memories of going to the movie theater. Absolutely. I remember sitting in there, and you see the the assemble moment, which is just one of the best moments that I've uh that I can remember being in a movie theater just the awe that I felt mm-hmm. at that moment and I even felt it this is the third time I've watched Endgame and I still felt that power still get when... that little spine tingle yeah, yeah me too really... like even when I just see the gif on the internet without the context of the audio and the full screen I still kind of get that like I don't know what it is it, you know? it's it's just I think it's the fact yeah. that it's like 21 movies build up to this moment right and um there are a lot of things especially on this third watch I noticed so many things because I've been watching all the MCU movies in order that mm-hmm. built up to, to this movie and that pay off uh, I will say I did rewatch Thor 2 within the last couple months when we've been going <laughs> through this rewatch and when they get to all the stuff with Thor 2 in that movie I still don't really remember it <laughs> so uh, it did not stick with that's me fine. So. that's fine that's uh, fine it's fine but uh, yeah, it's just like I, I just I really like that this is like a great cocktail where it's like the perfect yeah. mix of being funny, being action packed. And then there are like those sentimental moments throughout with the send offs, mm-hmm. different characters and the payoffs. Um, and I appreciated Paul Rudd a lot on this watch. Yeah, I, I just think he's sure. especially in the Ant-Man movies. He's I just don't think Ant-Man movies are really that good. But that character is great in these team up movies. And I, I really liked him in Endgame and, and the role he played. Yeah. And I, I was trying to do a little lookout too. I did rewatch it recently as well. And I was trying to sort of focus on characters. I had never focused on in the movie before in alternate watches. I think I've seen it four or five times at this point. Um, but the one that stood out to me on this most rewatch was uh, Dodge Beetle. Mm, yes. And just like, he's got a lot of really funny lines or mannerisms. And sometimes he's just in the background of the scene with, like, this look on his face, like, y'all are nuts. I don't yeah, know I mean, the best Don Cheadle is still t- yeah. the Tony Stank moment from mm-hmm. uh, the end of Civil War. But, For sure. Yeah. Did you ever watch uh, House of Lies with Don Cheadle? No, I've heard it's really great. Yeah, so that's that show is really fun. It's just a like half-hour episodes about management mm-hmm. consultants, and it's got him, <laughs> Kristen Bell, and the guy who plays John Ralphio on Parks and Rec is in okay. that as well. Um, and it's just like it's a that's a really fun show if you're just looking for something kind of light and breezy to watch. Uh, yeah, I, I never finished. It. I think I got like three seasons in and I've always wanted to go back. But uh, I, I highly recommend that. And it makes you appreciate Don Cheadle a little bit more as well. Nice. So, um, yeah. Uh, Brennan, remind me when I post this podcast that I'll, I'll re I'll reshare the podcast you and I did on Avengers Endgame. Absolutely. Yeah, we should do that. 
I just I'll just reply to the tweet. I, I actually would be interested in because it's been a over a year since we recorded it to go back and listen to it myself. Because we recorded it like right, I think the weekend that uh, that uh, yeah. I think yeah. we recorded it April thirtieth of twenty nineteen. So yeah. yeah. So um yeah, it's on another feed, but I will I will share that. Um, Brennan and I have done lots of funny little one-off podcasts like that. We also we were talking the other day when the Disney Star Wars announcement was made in like 2012 on the Natty Bros podcast, which was my first podcast feed. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brendan came on and, and he made all of his predictions That's for the quote, the quote, Star Wars expert. Yeah, for, for the Star Wars expert, he he came on to make all of his predictions about. <laughs> I don't think any came to pass because shortly after that they announced that they were going to make everything that happened in the expanded universe up to that point not canon. And pretty much just ruined everything that I really wanted from it. But um, since then, they've sort of backtracked on that a little. But, you know, we'll, this isn't a Star Wars podcast, but we, no. we get into that some other time. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I would be. Brendan was so excited for those Star Wars movies to come out. And I'd be curious how 2020 Brendan would tell 2012 Brendan uh, how much the world has changed. since. Temper your expectations a little there, big fella. Yeah. yeah. But- <laughs> All right. Well, uh, with that, let's get into Beetlejuice. I think we're going to have a lot to uh, chew on, to drink out of the glass of for Beetlejuice. Um, If if you're not familiar with this, it is 1988 movie by Tim Burton. Uh, Is this Tim Burton's first major movie? Uh, Pee-wee's Big Adventure came out. Oh, he did Pee-wee's Big Adventure first. Okay. A year or two before. I believe it was 1986 for Big Adventure. So, yeah, it was two years before. Um, But this is his first film with a massive budget. Um, just one year before Batman. Um, correct. Batman came out in '89, also starring Mark Michael Keaton. So, yep. Um, and yeah. and this movie is uh, one that I watched a lot growing up, but I was actually surprised watching this that I was allowed to watch this growing up because it's, yeah, it's pretty scary. Uh, for a lot, I, I would imagine for any kids, this is going to be very scary. I remember there were parts of it that I was scared of, and when they came on, I started getting like that feeling in the pit of my stomach, and then I was like, mm-hmm. oh wait, I'm not. I'm not so scared of things from this movie, but, um, you know, also some pretty adult jokes as well. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, good on, good on my mom for letting us watch this. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that, I think that was the main feeling I had too, was there was a large sense memory of it, not necessarily like being scared or watching it last night, but being like, Oh, I remember how scared I was the first time I saw this or the second time I saw this, you know, when I was a kid, like, you know, overall, just the look of Beetlejuice is just, like, sort of gross and slimy, and then everything he does with turning into different creatures and doing awful things, and then the the self-mutilation stuff that Gina Davis and Alec Baldwin do in their own attempts to scare the crap out of... Um, that's the... When they, when they mess with their faces, that is horrible. That is, like, awful. Yeah. Still, that's, I think that's horrifying. Amazing creature effects. Like yeah. I can appreciate the creature effects now, and really couldn't as a kid, obviously. But it's, it's yeah, it was like really terrifying, and yeah, I, yeah. I, um, so the story, this is the story of a couple, Adam and Barbara, and they die in the beginning of the movie, mm-hmm. and but they are still in their house as ghosts, as undead, and a family moves in, a family from New York, a crazy family with a. Uh, husband, wife, and a daughter, and right. some guy. I don't know if he's like a brother-in-law or what. Uh, they move into the house. They redesign it. They change everything. The uh, mm-hmm. Adam and Barbara do not want them in the house. So this movie follows Adam and Barbara's attempts to scare the family out of their house. Uh, yeah. they, the family is the Dietzes. Oh, I, I didn't even realize yeah, they the were Dietzes. the Dietz family. Oh. Yeah. Uh, 
Uh, was Terry in, in this one as well or not? Uh, no, I think he was the cousin from New York that they didn't uh, get him. He couldn't get him yeah. to come. Yeah, he couldn't uh, come. Yeah, so uh, and by, uh, by about the middle of the movie, they end up <laughs> enlisting the help of a, uh, I guess you can just say like dirtbag dead guy named Beetlejuice, played by yeah, Michael Keaton. A, a, uh, a drifting spirit with no moral code, basically. That's, um <laughs> And who lives in the little miniature in their in their attic. Um, and yeah. Beetlejuice assists them trying to scare this family out of the house. And ultimately, they come to live. They all come to live together and do not uh, end up actually getting rid of the Dietzes out of the house. But uh, this was my first time watching this that I can remember in a very long. I can't remember the last time yeah. I watched this. I obviously watched it as a kid multiple times. I can't remember the last time I watched this, though. I, I definitely was not within the last, like, 15, 20 years. Yeah, and I think that was the most striking thing to me as well, is I remember, I have a, like I think I said earlier, I have a sense memory of a lot of things of this movie, but didn't really remember a lot of the nuance of the movie, or specifically, like, a lot of the character relationships between, like, Otho, and as you're an adult, you sort of realize, like, how bad otho is and what a like creeper he is mm. but i didn't really get that as a kid i, I didn't pick up on like, i didn't pick up on otho being super creepy he's just like a weirdo i thought uh what what it, what what did you think about otho that makes him like a super creeper well like he doesn't necessarily like he's just kind of sleazy and he wants to exploit the the demons in a way in um barb and Adam, but then he like also wants to exercise them, but doesn't really know what he's doing, and is just sort of doing it for the money and the fame of doing it. Yeah, that's true. There and is that, there is that an underlying really just, like, like is, there's an underlying like real dirtbagginess to it. And whereas I think like um, Jeffrey Jones and Catherine O'Hara are more doing it just to impress their friends more than anything, um, and it just sort of gets out of hand. But Otho is just doing it because he seems a little sadistic in a lot of his mannerisms. I think Otho is just a fool. I think Otho Maybe. just gets in over his head in this Maybe. movie. And he's like, oh, I read this book. I know everything there is to know about the undead. Right. And I'm going to, uh, you know, when we, we get to the big wedding scene at the end, he's right. he's like, I'm just going to, you know, do this spell. And we're going to we're going to get famous by having this house of the undead that we're going to show off. And there is an underlying sense with the Dietz is that they're just in this for get rich quick, get famous quick. Um, we've got, you know, and that was something I didn't notice the first time, but you know, we've got Jeffrey Jones, the character, so he's Charles Dietz and right. he just wants to, like, he sees the building across the street. He says, Oh, that would be a good parking lot. He wants to turn <laughs> him and Otho both seems like they want to turn the place into like a museum of the dead. Um, yeah. and then Dahlia is just this aspiring, like crazy artist and sculptor. Yeah. And, um, the, you know, like the, the people that come by, they, the two different dinner parties, one is for, one is for Charles to, in, to impress an investor yeah. and another for, is for Dahlia to impress the, uh, like a, like an art magazine. For artsy, fartsy friends. Yeah. 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 Uh, and then Lydia is just kind of stuck with her parents who are just, you know, interested in everything there is except her. Yeah. Uh, and well, stepmother too. And I think that, that put goes into her mentality as well. I mean, oh, that's her stepmother? Yeah, Catherine, she, she says at one point um, at the very beginning when she 
first is talking to Adam and Barb, she's like, you know, your mother and father, blah, blah, blah. And she corrects them and says, my stepmother. Oh, I've seen this movie. I did not pick that yeah, up. Yeah, so there's a real, like, wicked stepmother feeling or vibe in the beginning between um, between Catherine O'Hara and Winona Ryder's characters where they just don't seem to really get along. And Catherine O'Hara thinks she's just some overdramatic brat. And Winona Ryder's like, you're not even my real mom, basically. Mm-hmm. You know, and that I think that's why she's wearing black as well. Is she I just still, assumed that she was just like a goth teenager. I I think that too, but I think she's also her obsession with death probably comes from the loss of her mother. You know, I would think. Yeah, well, maybe, that makes sense. I, I guess yeah, it's like it's something I just didn't pick up that her her mother had died, and that would be why she's obsessed. Mm. Um, you know, and we'll get into connections, but I I thought. Even more so watching this back to back with Harold and Maude, just the, the the Harold and Lydia are just so similar in the way that they view the world and yeah, their obsession with death and the way that they're ignored by, you know, particularly their mother figures, but both of their parents. They're right? not even ignored, but told to stop being dramatic constantly, mm-hmm. like by their mother or father figures like, oh, you're just exaggerating. You're such a storyteller. You're, right. you know, without like getting into any of the nuance of what that person must be going through you know mm-hmm. and uh, so yeah I, I agree i think that was you know the big thing that i connected to um when when i rewatched it was oh yeah they're they're very similar um whatever i character and and harold for sure um and the the big question i came out of watching mm-hmm. this movie is like this i'm not the biggest tim burton fan and you know i'll be right. i'll be interested if we end up watching another tim burton movie next week uh, if we stay with Tim Burton, I just think, you know, what he accomplishes in this movie specifically, mm-hmm. I think he's constantly, especially with his work with Johnny Depp and trying to achieve that again. Mm-hmm. And I just don't think that he's ever quite reached these heights that he gets to, um, you know, if you, you know, obviously Batman is really good, but I think Batman is, is very different than this. Right. Um, and even, even you can see a lot of Beetlejuice in Batman Returns. Yes, you definitely see it in Batman Returns. I don't think you see it in yeah, you don't see it in the first Batman. I don't right. And I, I think I would agree with that. I think that the late 80s, early 90s Burton is peak Burton. Mm-hmm. And he just sort of leans way too into his own sort of circular smelling his own parts of his style right. to a degree. Like the weirdness. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, don't you don't have to be weird just for weird sake. You know, like, I mean, one of the worst movies I've ever watched is his um, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory remake. Interesting, which is, okay. Plus, which is just atrocious. I mean, oh, okay. he just takes no. it and it's, he goes so over the top with the weirdness. And even though it may be a little more faithful to the book than the um, Gene Wilder version, from my understanding, it doesn't necessarily make it better because he just goes it loses a lot of the heart and soul in his remake of it that um, was there in the Gene Wilder version. And I think Mm -hmm. that's part of what happens to his movies in general after around the time of Batman, uh, Batman Returns is he had this vision of like all movies should be creepy and weird and they don't necessarily have to have substance behind them. And that's how you get something like Sleepy Hollow or, um, Dark Shadows, or yeah, for Dark Shadows is very bad. I've, I've yeah, never or seen his that. or his Sweeney Todd make, which is just really really bad. And yeah. 
Too he, much Johnny Depp. I think yeah, it's, it's it's I think what he started actors, doing with Keaton, too many actors in gray makeup. Basically, yeah. what he started doing with Michael Keaton is so he had Beetlejuice in the Batman movies mm-hmm. with Keaton, and then he kind of turned his attention to Johnny Depp and had a whole bunch of Johnny Depp movies in a row where you just uh, I'd like some Johnny Depp, but I really get burnt out on Johnny Depp's Johnny Deppness. Um, and it, really, what I wanted to get to with this though is, is that what he achieves in this movie between the creativity of this, like this is not based on any previous IP that I know of. Um, and he creates this whole world of the undead and the way that the movie looks, the way that, uh, the designs of the set and the costumes and the actors makeup and, uh, the different, the different monsters and and Mm -hmm. zombies that are in this movie. It's just all so unique and creative and really works. And I think what one of the best ways that they they do that in the design of this movie that that Tim Burton does is with the design of the house and the design of the sculptures at the mm-hmm. house and the way he can just take normal things that in the daylight would look totally normal mm-hmm. that they become so creepy like that one sculpture that's like a block on the end and it's like almost like a um oh, like yeah, a yeah. scorpion looking one yeah like the that one with one the claw specifically is so yeah, the claw scary. and uh... Yeah. yeah. Or like that he can make uh, shrimp cocktails look like zombie hands, you know, like, yeah, and, and he just turns all of these things into such scary imagery. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things going back to the movie that are that to this movie um, after so long that I really appreciate it is it was refreshing to see. And this is going to sound like ridiculous, but it was nice to see good Tim Burton again. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh, this is what made Tim Burton Burton awesome when he first started making movies. This is still so unique and the creature effects are so cool. And yet you still actually have a really good plot and story behind them as well. Like you actually care about the characters and it's funny and it's fun. And it's also a little scary and creepy. Yeah, I would say that the, and it's, what I care about character wise is the relationship between Adam and Barbara and Lydia. Right. Right, the, right, absolutely. Uh, I don't really care about any of the other characters. I mean, Beetlejuice is a fun character. I do not care about right. Beetlejuice watching this. Um, I mean, I, I do you like could have, you could have, you could remove Beetlejuice completely from the film and still have a movie about a haunting and two people trying to get people to move out of their house. Like, and it might still be a compelling film, even. Yeah, it would be a very. I mean, it'd be very different. Maybe. But yeah, if if because really the Beetlejuice doesn't even come into this movie until halfway through. Correct, and, and he's only in a total plays, of 14 minutes. Right, yeah. and the way the role he plays is really just taking things too far. Um, now, right. he doesn't think he's taking things too far, but much like Otho, Barbara and Adam, they said Beetlejuice, they brought Beetlejuice into this, Lydia brings Beetlejuice into this, and right. just like, it, like almost like makes a deal with the devil. Um, right, and then, yeah, absolutely, that's part of what it is. And I mean, I think that's also like, they're they're all selling their souls to get what they want to a degree all of the characters in this film, you know, mm-hmm. like they're all, they're all after something at the expense of somebody else, like every character in the film, except for Lydia, really. And Lydia, I, I mean, she's just looking for companionship. I exactly. Guess. Um, and, and she's the one who really makes the literal deal with the devil because she agrees to get married to Beetlejuice. In well, order for him how to much save does she really agree? <laughs> Well, I mean, I mean she, she, she didn't have much of a choice at that point, and then she tries to get out of it and doesn't really. Right, know. she didn't have much of a choice, but she could have just said, "Okay, Barbara and Adam, I'm going to let them just disintegrate." Um, right. 
And yeah, and that also is the when they're hovering over the kitchen table in their oh, wedding yeah. outfits. That I remember is what really, really scared me the most. Absolutely, like when she when she grabs his face and his jaw falls off is like one of the scariest things I ever saw as a kid. That like yeah. the vision of that like haunted me. Mm-hmm. Like the dead eyes of her like zombie skeleton face like in the wedding dress. Oh yeah, that was aw- that was awful for me as a kid. Yeah, and it's like how did Tim Burton come up with this? Like how did he oh. think and of especially all of this? in a world without CGI? To right. be able to pull off the creature effect and the visual effects of everything in this film is so incredibly um, impressive. And especially, like, the unique style of the underworld, which we haven't talked on yet, or the afterlife world, or whatever you want to call it. Like, everyone and everything in that part is so unique, and everyone has a distinct personality, and yes. everyone has died in a very specific way. I mean, the football team is one of the, like, I I, I don't know if I was supposed to laugh about the, the dead football team, but it was really funny. So I laughed like at really that, and, I, and like, I realized after, I was like, oh, this is like the Marshall yeah. football team. Like, I think that's yeah. what this is supposed to be. Yeah, like, I football think team that died in a Marshall. plane crash. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is like We Are Marshall. Um and what what they do with all of that undead or the underworld, the dead underworld stuff yeah. is they they kind of do what we get and what we do in the shadows is they take yeah. something, uh, something very mundane and make it both scary and funny. Um, and it's scary because of all the crazy dead creatures and, and you see people in, in the different makeup. But then the way it's funny is that the dead underworld is like waiting for the secretary of state's office. Right, exactly. It's like, take a number, yeah, yeah, take a number, and sit in that chair, and then your caseworker will see you, and you only have three appointments with your caseworker for the next, you know, eternity. Um, Well, it's really funny, because Otho says, when he's talking about ghosts, and he's talking about suicide, and he says, people who kill themselves become, I think he says, bureaucrats in the afterlife, or, (laughs) no, sorry, he, people who kill themselves become office workers, or something like that, in the afterlife, and you see all of the people that are in charge of the processes of the afterlife are people that look like they committed suicide. Well, because the the one receptionist yeah. holds up her hands and shows exactly like slit her wrist. I didn't. Yep. Okay, I did not put that together. Yeah. So, so that's it's. I thought that was like incredible. I was like, wow. Okay, so that this film does kind of know what it's doing, and it's following through on the things that it says. Like it's setting something up, and if you're paying close enough attention, it actually pays it off. Mm-hmm. in another scene really well so and i think also that touches on something else that i noticed with this movie is just mm-hmm. the amount of foreshadowing in this um, is watching this knowing you know I, i'd seen this movie so many times when i was younger you know when they go through the red barn which sticks out you're like okay that's foreshadowing that this red barn is going to be trouble in the in the future yeah um the movie actually starts off with the song deo and i did not yeah, remember that but the deo yeah. song starts the movie um and we also get a reference early on in the movie. The realtor comes by before Adam and Barbara have died and mm-hmm. says, this house is too big for just the two of you. I have a family in New York that really wants to buy the house. You should sell it to them. And they yeah. they refuse. Well, the family in New York that wants to buy the house is Lydia's the family. Deets. Yeah, is the Deets's. Yeah. yeah. And I, I thought it was really interesting um, the way that they use the model as well. Like, because the model is the town. And I always find that a really fascinating effect in a movie 
when you have like something that's a model and it gets turned into the real place that it's a model of mm-hmm. as you like zoom in. I always enjoy that effect in movies. Is that how Hereditary started? Yes, I know, yeah, hereditary that's, that's a Hereditary similar. thing. It's um, it's been done in a ton of movies, but I, I always really like it. Like I, I always find that to be a really cool effect. It, I think it's a common Raul Dahl thing as well. Like I think that happens in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Oh really? Okay. Um, that it's, and that there's probably, like and I believe that works with their hands as well. Um, but yeah, where you start and you're like looking at like a model of something at, or a picture book of something, and then it zooms in and it becomes the real thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've always thought that was really cool. Um, I, I like that. Also, Back to the Future. Doc builds a. Oh yeah. Uh, you know what does he say? Like forgive, forgive the uh, unrefinedness <laughs> of this model. Right, right, right. <laughs> I didn't have time to paint it, so. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and I, that is how we start the movie. We start the movie, we see the town, and then you zoom out and you realize you're actually looking at the model. Um, yeah, and I, I actually thought it was really funny, um, the, the juxtaposition between um, Adam and Jeffrey Jones's character, um, because, like, Adam is a architect, and Jeffrey Jones's character is a developer who just wants to turn everything into the same thing instead of it mm. being unique. And just and make I, money off. Yeah, so exactly. it's like art versus commerce, really. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And Barbara is an artist as well. I think she's a painter. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's an artist. So there actually is some, some parallels between Barbara being a painter yeah. and Catherine O'Hara's character being a sculptor who's terrible. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. And by the end of the movie, I mean, we don't see we, – well, I guess we do see Jeffrey Jones and uh, Catherine O'Hara's character at the very Yeah, we do. But the they're, they're sort of like they've decided that they're going to live their own lives and let yeah, their daughter – Yeah, just kind of checked out. And yeah. The parents to Lydia are the ghosts. They're the ones yeah, who are asking her how she did on the math test and the the science test and uh, dancing with her. Um, <laughs> but it is great that we, you know, the way this movie ends. I, I love the end of this movie, the the where too. she's dancing and she's floating. But it it just is like such a it's just like such a happy ending uh, for all uh, for you know compared to some of the other movies we had. I don't know how many happy ending movies we've had, but it's like yeah. okay, all five of them are gonna just live in the house together and live in peace. Yeah, and it's so rare for a movie like this that's sort of um that that has like a horror or um horror or suspense element to it to to end in a way like this too. I mean, because it's I can't believe this movie is rated PG because this movie is so dark. Well, I think and it's just it might just because PG thirteen didn't start until uh, a certain. I mean, it probably started around this time, but yeah, that's true. Um, I mean, there was a long time where movies just weren't rated PG-13. That's true. So. I think Raider, I think uh, Temple of Doom was the first film to force a PG-13 rating, if I'm remembering my film history correctly. Yeah, 1994 was, was when PG-13 yeah. started. Okay. Uh, yeah, it is surprising this movie was PG-13. Uh, I'm very surprised that my mom let me watch this when I was Yeah, for sure. I was. Uh, I was actually at home last night when I watched this. My mom walked into the room. My mom doesn't know anything about movies. And mm-hmm. I was surprised. She goes, oh, you're watching Beetlejuice. So this movie is so distinct. <laughs> Even she knew right. what movie she was. Right, she remembers it. That's yes. incredible. Yeah, I, I told my mom we were doing Beetlejuice, and she was like, oh, yeah, you love that movie, don't you? I was like, I can't believe you remember that we like Beetlejuice. Like, yeah, we we definitely watched Beetlejuice a ton when I was a kid. Like, it's just one of those ones that's always on, you know, we I talk about it all the time. Like, you know, there are the movies that are always on HBO or one, those other. HBO classic, for sure. Yeah, like in the late 80s, early 90s, you know, when you're a kid and you're just sitting at home on a Saturday Flipping HBO, like, Beetlejuice is always on, especially in September, October, like, you know. Yeah. Um, and, you know, this movie also spawned, it spawned a cartoon. 
Beetlejuice mm-hmm. cartoon and a uh, ton of toys. Now, I, you and I were talking earlier. I had a bunch of Beetlejuice action figures, and I like you can actually Google Beetlejuice action figures. And there was a car that I had. Mm-hmm. There was I had a version of Beetlejuice where you could take the head off, and it was a shrunken head Beetlejuice. Like I <laughs> had, we had tons of. I had so many action. I feel figures. like I probably had that, and I probably lost the main head. As oh, I, I did, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. What I remember is playing with the Beetlejuice toy, like the X Men toys, and it would be like Shrunken Head Beetlejuice and like Wolverine would be doing stuff. I mean, oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, 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 I miss the. I could do a whole podcast on like the glory days. Yeah, I don't think I had any of the like cars or other toys, but like I remember, I remember distinctly like using him as a ghost for my real Ghostbusters action figure to um bust, bust? and oh, yeah. like. The Ghostbusters action figure was really cool because when you pushed, um, I think it was Venkman, when you pushed his arm down, his eyes bugged out like he was seeing a ghost. Yep, I had that one. Yeah, I had that I one. I also had the Ghostbusters um, firehouse. Like I, That was like, oh, nice. that was probably a like, you know, big Hanukkah gift that I got, which was like the, it yeah. was like, it was like a three story house for the Ghostbusters or, or fire station for the Ghostbusters. And you could pour goo through these like grates at the top and it would it would go down i remember thing. that yes yeah, they had like the goose stuff that was disgusting yeah. um that actually <laughs> so so i did i didn't put ghostbusters as a connection for next I week didn't i didn't either but i'm it's curious if any listeners did but yeah. the question i have for you is if you're sitting around on a saturday afternoon and you could either watch ghostbusters or beetlejuice which one are you choosing i'm watching ghostbusters because I'm much more into the subtle humor of Ghostbusters than I am the creepiness yet humor of um, Michael Keaton and Beetlejuice. I I think Ghostbusters holds up better for an adult to watch than Beetlejuice does. I do think Beetlejuice was much funnier than I remembered. Um, and there are some subtle jokes that I definitely didn't get as a kid that I get now, like when Lydia is in her room and she hears she hears Adam and Barbara like in the sheet as the sheet mm-hmm. goes and they're trying to scare and she like i never put it together when i was younger that she thinks her parents are having like crazy sex yeah uh <laughs> but there's more of those jokes in ghostbusters that you didn't get as a kid and absolutely i would also i think i would also say ghostbusters just because i think i enjoy the overall story of ghostbusters a little bit more than beetlejuice yeah. i think beetlejuice and this is one of the things that will keep it from being a five for me is i do think like the first half hour of beetlejuice is just kind of like slow and uninteresting at times mm-hmm. um it really until the ghost until the they're they're in the sheets. I think yeah. the, the sheet ghost scene from there. I think this movie takes off and it does not stop for the rest of the movie. But before then, it's it's a little bit slow for me. Yeah, I was actually surprised too on a rewatch, like how much of the first thirty minutes I had forgotten because I really felt like it got right into the haunting stuff way faster than it actually does, and it just didn't. I was like. Wait a second. How much? How much else did this movie do? I not remember. And then it was like the last forty-five minutes. I remembered all of it. I was with mm-hmm. it the whole way. And the, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think the first half hour does not um, move as well as it could, which is not a great thing to say for a movie that's only ninety minutes long. You yeah, know? I mean, you should. It should be brisk, and it should be go, 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 go. And it's. A, I think you're right. It, it misses some beats at the beginning that it could move faster in for sure Um, and to this movie's credit it did you know it did have the toys and it had the Mm -hmm. cartoon i am impressed that there has never been beetlejuice 2 uh beetlejuice reborn uh any kind of reboot of beetlejuice like this this ip outside of 
a, a musical that they made a few years ago yeah. has really been untouched versus well, Ghostbusters has had now we have a fourth Ghostbuster. Yeah, fourth well, Ghostbusters. Are you, uh, are you ready for my fun film fact that I found for this movie? Oh, no. Is Johnny so, Depp going to be Beetlejuice in uh, No, unfortunately. Um, or fortunately. But um, no, so Beetlejuice is still sort of in development hell because the same studio still owns it. Warner Brothers still owns it. They could do something with it eventually if they wanted to, but they were originally based on... So the movie's box office success created plans for a sequel called Beetlejuice Goes Hawaiian. A script was commissioned. Michael Keaton and Winona Ryder both agreed to star and reprise their roles. Tim Burton lost interest in the project when he was offered Batman. And it's like the next year. Yeah, so he made Batman and Batman Returns instead, and everything fell apart, and they made the cartoon. And I think they referenced Be- Beetlejuice Goes Hawaiian in the cartoon, but um, because I I have a distinct memory of him in a Hawaiian shirt on a surfboard in the cartoon. Hmm. So I think it became the cartoon series. I don't remember nothing about the cartoon. Um, but yeah, I mean, eventually, like you know, Tim Burton just moved on and did his own thing and did his own weird Tim Burton thing. And they could still do something with Beetlejuice eventually, but I, I kind of don't feel like they will. But who knows? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm surprised not gonna that, get, that like, IP has stayed untouched as long as it has. Yeah, um, it is really shocking. And I don't know what the musical is about. I know there is a musical. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm not sure if it's the exact same as the movie. Um, I didn't do any research on it, um, and I haven't seen it. But I imagine it probably follows the plot of the movie pretty, pretty closely. Yeah. Um, um, so you mentioned the subtle humor. Um, yeah. Which tied more to Ghostbusters, but there is some really good subtle, subtle humor in this. And I noted a couple things. I think just Catherine Harris' character in general is—I yeah. I had never appreciated how funny she is in this movie, but she's just like lights out in this. She's just so like dismissive of everything. She's just such a and terrible. She's such person. A, like she's a perfect stepmother. Like yeah. she's just like if like you took her character on Shit's Creek. And combined her with her character as Kevin's mom in Home Alone. Mm-hmm. That's this character. This movie did. She's her, yeah, this movie made me want to watch. Selfish and yeah, it's. Sorry, yeah, this movie made me want to watch Shit's Creek because yeah. I've never watched it. And watching her in this, I was like, I know she's in Shit's Creek. I know people like Shit's Creek, and I was like, I should really watch that because this is this is so funny. Her her role it, in this. She's, she's fantastic, and I mean, yeah. she's you know we we this isn't our we'll get to it. This isn't our first Catherine O'Hara experience no. on this podcast. I mean, no. we. We've said we love her, how much we love her before. Um, but yeah, she's lights out in this. I think she wins the movie, as they say. I think she's definitely the movie's MVP. Um, with probably Winona Ryder a close second for me. And then uh, um, Michael Keaton is and so, then Michael, I mean, Michael Keaton is yeah. so good as Beetlejuice. Like, yeah, I mean, it, but he's he, still third. And I mean, because he's barely in the movie. Right. Because he's bar- but he he's like, you know, yeah, this, that's like, I don't even know if you could say Dion Waiters award for Michael Keaton because he's the title character. But like. That's close to what the Dion Waiters Award is, where it's yeah, like he just think, checks in off the bench and just is, is hitting shot after shot. Yeah, I think the other impressive thing I found out in my research with him is that he improvised, like, 90% of his lines. Like, all of the weird aside stuff he does with, like, the – when he's standing at the altar and he's like, I don't know, I never said I was going to get married. I always said if I was, I would do it. That's, that's, yeah, that's all that's so Keaton. Good. Uh, that is all Keaton. Yeah, that's and, like, yeah, I mean, it's like – so, yeah, I think that is really, really impressive because you don't necessarily, like, think of Michael Keaton as the super comedic guy. 
But like if you, uh, you do watch, in multiplicity. Yeah, if you if you watch multiplicity or Mr. Mom, you can see it and you can really see it in this as well. Um you know, because he's not conventionally funny. He's like quirky funny. He's like average average Joe funny, if that makes sense. Mm. Like the T V show, average Joe? <laughs> Maybe not like that average show, but um, yeah. I, I also I, really liked uh, a couple mm-hmm. other things that I thought were really like subtle things that I thought were really funny. So, is uh, Jeffrey Jones's character? They they walk into the house and he's commenting on how big the kitchen is, and he says, he, he tells Catherine Hare, Catherine Hare's character, "Oh, you could finally cook a good meal," which that <laughs> line made me laugh. And then it pays off because the next scene they're having dinner, the first night in the house, and they're eating Chinese food. So she yep. didn't cook dinner, and it's, they're eating Chinese food. And then the dinner that she does cook is that, like, terrible-looking shrimp cocktail that turns into zombie hands. There's no way that wasn't catered. She definitely did not cook No, that. I think she made it. I just think it looked terrible. <laughs> <laughs> like, it looks so bad that it could be confused with monster hands. Um, oh and then when they're sitting down, and I'm not sure which dinner this was. I think this was the dinner when they're eating the Chinese food. Uh, so she has, like, a headband on on her head. Mm-hmm. And you don't realize the headband is actually just like long gloves tied around her head. Um, it is not a headband. It is they're they're like long like gloves that go up to your elbows. I didn't realize that at all. That's a that's a quirky artist thing. I like yeah. that. That's really funny. Yeah, she's like like <laughs> talk about smelling her own farts. Like she definitely smells her own farts. <laughs> um, I can appreciate it. I also thought, and this is not subtle at all, but the Deo scene. Yeah. And that's like the one everybody remembers from this movie. I remembered it. Absolutely. It, it, I was cracking up watching that. Like every oh, yeah, the, it's so great. the acting in that, all of their expressions, uh, especially Catherine O'Hara's, when their bodies are doing something that they can't control and they know what's going yeah. on and they're just totally freaked out. It, it's, it just is so good. It is so funny. Um, yeah. Otho's, Otho's weird date, like the goth chick date. Yeah, that Otho. was is really really good yeah um i thought she was really really good in that scene um so it's like why is dick cavett in this movie just to do this so i don't really know dick cavett Uh, so dick cavett is a a uh dick cavett is a um talk show host from the 1970s like he's the most famous um if you've seen the movie forrest gump he's the talk show host in forrest gump when he's interviewing forrest gump and john lennon and they talk about like you know that he comes up with um oh what's the freaking John Lennon song? Imagine. Yeah. The, the lyrics to Imagine. And oh, that's, that's, that's Dick okay. Cavett. Yeah, that's yeah, Dick okay. Cavett. Um so is which, he actually a talk show host then? Yeah, oh. he was a talk show host in the nineteen seventies and he had a ton of uh really famous interviews including with uh Richard Nixon and John Lennon and David Bowie and yeah, he's a so it's really surprising to see him in a movie because it's kind of weird. But he's also done like weird, random, quirky movie films, like movie roles like this, like being in, um, like being in Forrest Gump, like you know. Um, and the other weird role in this too is Robert Goulet, which for me, yeah. what it's the most. I mean, Robert Goulet has been in some movies, but what I know Robert Goulet from is the Will Ferrell SNL sketch. Absolutely, Robert Goulet, doo doo doo. Yeah, exactly. So. uh you know, it, it, it's just like those two kind of, uh, I guess you would just call them cameos in this. Right. Yeah, they're, they're they're really good cameos if you like know who the actors are. And even, even if you don't and figure it out later, it's really funny. And mm-hmm. I so I really appreciated that. And then somebody I didn't realize like at first or had forgotten. Um, So Glenn, Glenn Shadex, who plays Otho, 
is also a sort of squirrely, slimy little assistant guy in Demolition Man. He's, oh, yeah. He's, he's yeah. Bobby. So he's, I don't know if I've ever seen the actor. And I've seen movies that this guy is in, um, okay. but I do not think I've recognized him in any movies. Yeah, um, I think I would have to. I think I would have to look him up, but I, to see if it's anything else. But I know. Um, one of our listeners wrote in, and I can't remember who it may have been. Um, it may have been Olin pointed it out to me because I didn't realize it at first either, and I was like, "Oh yeah, he he is, he is in he is in Demolition Man. That's incredible." So mm. yeah. Um. Uh, but yeah, I, I I appreciated all the performances in this, and I think um. Yeah, I think I think one of the things that will be really interesting to track is, um if we keep going down this road of horror comedy or if we go into more conventional horror or if we go into more conventional comedy next, but, um, this is like a fork in the road movie kind of, yeah, this feels like a real fork in the road because there's so many ways we could go based on performances, themes, actors, director. Um, yeah, there are tonic there. Are, so th- I actually struggled picking connections for this movie. So I'm relying a little yeah. bit more on the listeners for connections. Um, I have a lot of connections yeah. to previous movies. I just struggled picking next movies for this one. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And I, so I I'll, have be, less, I'll be interested to see what we get. We yeah. Start. I have less for previous movies written down actually than I do for connections to other stuff. So maybe you, maybe we'll balance each other out. Yeah. I have about That's 20 true. connections to previous movies. Nice. <laughs> what happens now is when I watch these movies, I have up our letterbox list of all the episodes oh, we've done on this well, podcast. Because it's like we've—I mean, this is our. So I didn't even mention this is our 40th episode. So uh, it's only okay. our 40th episode. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's our—it's our, it's our uh, winners at war episode. This is <laughs> number 40. Um, but so I like forget. It's like, oh yeah, we did do Newsies and we did do Hamilton. Uh, my cousin Vinny. So like when I watch these movies, it actually is helpful for me to like just have that up and and kind of click through the different movies we've done to find different. Yeah. Connections. Um, two things that I want to touch on before we get into feedback and connections. Absolutely. Uh, two, like, I, I don't know if they're just themes for the sake of being themes or if they actually had any significance, but I noticed two, two things through this movie. One is the number three. Um, okay. I noticed the number three a lot in this movie. So, um, it's been three months since Adam and Barbara, they disappear from the house yeah. and they come back and, and they've been the waiting room. It's actually been three months. They have to say Beetlejuice three times. Um, there are a couple other instances of the number three. There's actually three dining scenes in this movie. Um, I just noticed that three happening a lot. In this. Mm. Three um, people move into the house. Uh, four people move into the house. Well, Do does Otho count as a resident? Uh, uh-huh, I think so. Oh, okay. Um, I didn't know if he was actually living there. I mean, but the family okay. is a family of three. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if there's any significance to the number three, if it's even intentional, but I did notice that number three a couple times during this movie. Interesting. The other thing, which I definitely think is intentional because it is uh, throughout the movie, and it might have just been that the movie is so black and white you needed color to pop, but -hmm. the color red is all over this movie. Oh, for sure. Um, Yeah, I mean, the doors... The the doors, Otho wears red shoes, Otho has red buttons, Mm -hmm. Uh, Catherine O'Hara has red lipstick, the barn that they die die Mm -hmm. in is red, the candles that they light at dinner are red, Otho's tie is red, Um, Lydia's dress when she gets married is red. The fire truck that Adam drives, or the truck that Adam drives to crash into Beetlejuice is red, um, just red everywhere. And I don't know if that's supposed to like signify blood because there's not much blood in this movie, or if there's any other significance. I don't know if you had any theories on like what red could I, be, or if it's just a thematic style thing. I think it's just a thematic styling, but red is generally used for 
coloring of menace or evil in films, I feel like, um, or bad intentions. I mean, and I guess so, if, uh, so much of that, if you, you could apply that because the barn is menace and evil because the barn is what kills them. Uh, Otho wears a lot of red highlights and Otho is the one who brings Adam and Barbara almost to the afterlife or to the after afterlife. Yeah. Lydia's red dress, she's not wearing that by choice. Beetlejuice makes her wear that. So I guess, I guess, yeah, if, if you just want to say red is menace and evil. Um, that yeah, so th- th- looking it up, um, the official uh, film school psychology of film website says the color red is most often used to convey anger, passion, rage, desire, energy, speed, strength, power, Love, aggression, danger, fire, blood. See, it's everything. The color red. I don't, is I don't get. I don't get <laughs> anger, or I don't really get much anger in this movie at all. Even Beale yeah, I, I don't either. So, so yeah, so I don't know. I, I don't. Maybe it was just. So maybe it is just a flourish because the top three are anger, passion, and rage. Mm-hmm. So maybe maybe this is more of a thematic flourish than it is a uh, intentionality. Yeah, I do think if you want to apply. Back- to the color red in this movie it would work um just because if you look at what it's you know well and adam actually another part adam does have a red undershirt on under his flannel so um, just a little bit of maybe just a little bit of of menace for adam we talked much about gina davis in this um she plays barbara and you know she's she's good in this but she's in kind of a subdued role besides like she's trying to scare i don't feel like she has that much to do in this movie yeah i didn't really think about her much because i didn't have much of a reaction to her even on this one like she's there and i like her character and i think she does a really good job but i think she isn't really given any of the best lines she isn't really given any of the best moments um i will say that i thought that the first couple of scares she tries to do with them hanging in the closet and then when they open the door and she has adam's severed head with a knife yeah they're both really really funny and really really good um but other than that she's not really given a standout moment like um like several of the other characters including adam i think adam has more agency and more to do in this film even though she is she does get the beetlejuice at the end with the um Two out of three with the zipper. And Those the, are great. Yeah, that that's yeah. like what I remember from this. That movie, was really is great. her saying Beetlejuice unzipping Beetlejuice, and then he throws the metal plate at her face. Yeah. Um, yeah. I do think that she does a really is some good eye acting. Yeah, with sure. Adam when he when she starts disappearing and then when she's yeah. growing old and hit, when his jaw falls out like the oh, way yeah, she looks at him is. is really good. And then the last scene where she's just very maternal towards Lydia when Lydia comes home from school. Yeah, it's all really I think, great. I think that's pretty good. Yeah, this is really great, really great. All right, um, let's get into connections first and then get into feedback, because I just I have a ton of connections. Um, yeah, let's do it. So let's start with connections to Harold and Maude. Um, and I'll let you go first, since I have a bunch, and I'll see. I'll yeah, see so our, our main one, obviously, is the um, connection with death and the afterlife. Um, what happens to us when we die and choosing or not choosing our own death Um Lydia is contemplating suicide. Harold tries several suicide suicide quote. I think we called them quote unquote attempts, not actual mm-hmm. attempts last week. Um, let's see what else did I had. Uh, dinner scenes, obviously. Um, shenanigans at dinner scenes connects yeah, to both. Which is that's a, that's a running yeah. one that we have. In a yeah, it's a, we we love a good dinner scene just like we get, love a good train movie. Yeah. Um. So I also else? have the car 
going over yeah. the bridge is like the car going off the cliff at the end. Oh of the yeah, movie. yeah, good point. Um, and a character is hanging and nobody seems to notice. So at the beginning, yeah. Harold and Maude, Harold is hanging and his mom doesn't seem to care. And yeah. in this, Adam is hanging and they. <laughs> that's enough that's like really funny the way that they you expect them to react to the ghost before you realize they can't see them right. and they're and like oh they my just... god and they're like can you believe <laughs> the size of these closets they're dying <laughs> uh, i also wrote down yeah. uh in terms of a couple we yeah. have beetlejuice is very old he survived the black plague and right. lydia is very young so uh, kind of a flip of harold and Maud, where Maud was very old and harold is very young yeah. so. And then, of course, the mother character and the father character who just don't care about Lydia. Right. Exactly. All right. Um, what about connections to other movies that we've covered? Yeah. So obviously, as we talked about, we have Catherine O'Hara, who was in both Guffman and Dick Tracy. Uh, oh, Alec Baldwin, she was in Dick Tracy. Yeah, she has a very minor role, but she's in Dick Tracy. Okay. Um, and then Alec Baldwin as an architect. Um, architecture and art are so important in the movie Columbus. And, and 500. I yeah. did not. I did not write that one down. That's good. But I. But Columbus was the one I wrote down. Um, because it was the first thing I thought of when they're bringing all the sculptures in, mm-hmm. and they're talking about how great the architecture of the house is, and how how cool it is. And then um, Alec Baldwin's character actually being an architect like is pretty close and dealing with death as well. Dealing with death as well. Um, because John Cho's character in Columbus is um. Figuring out how to process the death of his father. Or yeah. The, oh, yeah, good point. Yeah. So that, I mean, that that deals with death just like Harold and Maude and this movie do. Um, what else did I have? Uh, jokes about suicide in the afterlife we talked about. And the dinner scene. Those were the four main ones I had written down. What you got? All right. So uh, they take a picture of the ghosts when they're in the sheets mm-hmm. with a Polaroid. So that would tie the Polaroid ties oh, to Memento. Good call. Uh, bad deeds for hire slash crime i wrote down collateral and mm-hmm. reservoir dogs you could you know especially collateral you for could sure. tie beetlejuice they hire beetlejuice to mm-hmm. do some bad deeds for them um i wrote down dining scenes as well uh undead comedy so specifically yeah. what we do in the shadows yeah for um, sure. a they talk about a gq photo shoot in this movie and so i wrote down the scene from the doors for for oh GQ yeah good call shoot. yeah the magazine shoot yeah. uh, i really liked uh one i wrote down is trapped for eternity Mm-hmm. And so Beetlejuice and the and uh, Adam and Barbara trap fraternity. So it's on Groundhog Day, Interview with the Vampire, and What We Do in the Shadows all connect there. Um, Beetlejuice the musical connects to Hamilton. Oh yeah, as a musical. Yeah. Yeah, and a movie that led to a cartoon slash TV show slash toys. I wrote down Dick Tracy, uh, What We Do in the Shadows, Fargo, yeah. and Raiders of the Lost Ark all connecting. Good there. job. Yep. So I was really excited when I remember Beetlejuice the musical and I was like, oh, yeah, that ties to Hamilton, because I don't feel like we have like a ton of movies that we're able to tie back to Hamilton. Yeah, we haven't so far, but who knows? Yeah, maybe um, we'll start. Maybe we'll start doing more historical dramas. Was there any <laughs> I'm curious if anybody who worked on Beetlejuice also worked on Dick Tracy. So it's that kind of stylistically. Uh, that's similar. a great. I imagine some of the makeup effects are similar um, as well as the costuming, but mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, uh, so we did get we get Beetlejuice, Batman, yeah. and then Dick Tracy. And we did say when we talked about Dick Tracy, the Dick Tracy we felt like was very inspired by the 1989 Batman. Absolutely. So you kind of do like connection to a connection with this movie led to Batman, which led to Dick Tracy. Yeah, I could see that for sure. And, uh, you know, just like big, you know, shenanigans happening in a big house. You can tie that as well to uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yep. 
and um, what we do in the shadows, Harold Ahmad, uh, Citizen Kane. So these big mansions, but you know, no trains in this movie, which we do have a lot of trains that have come up on this podcast. So, yeah. All right. Uh, what do we got for listener feedback? So listener and feedback connections. We got a lot of people writing in this week. Um, Good. So we've got Jeff, our buddy Jeff, who wrote in and said that uh, he found it a strange and funny movie. I think it's really well done and well cast. Definitely see the great connections to Harold and Maude, but this is a much better movie in his opinion. Uh, Quirky like you'd expect Burton to be, and he loved it. Uh, Gives it a 4.0. Wow. Is that the Jeff's highest scores that he's given us? Um. Yeah, I'd have to look back at what Jeff has given. I feel like Jeff's given like a four and a half or a five. That's some, that's some high praise from Jeff. I like it. Um, so Owen writes in and says, Firstly, getting the title character out of the way, waiting a little while to appear when he did, you could understand why he was only given small amounts of screen time. Keaton's performance was excellent. The makeup is iconic. But the actual material given to the character was very wearisome, overly misogynistic, and wearing. Hmm. As for the rest of the film, he thought it was very uneven, but three performances stood out. Uh, Winona Ryder was the emotional heart of the film. Glenn Shadix was wonderful as the interior decorator, but person who really stole the show for him, him was the fantastic Catherine O'Hara. Hilarious, great duo with Shadix, and performance of the Deo Showcase. Uh, rating, he gives it, him and his wife both give it a 2.5 out of 5. I will say, uh, so Glenn Shadix was the guy who played Otho. Yeah. Um, I thought he was really great as well. And, you know, he's he's not as subtle as some of the other actors in this I movie. Um, yeah, yeah. But there's parts that I didn't pick up on, like when they're talking about painting the rooms and what color to paint the rooms. And mm-hmm. they pick like mauve. And it's like, that was exactly what I was thinking. It's like, yeah, that's like the most boring color. Like, that <laughs> yeah, was, exactly. Was good. Uh, I don't feel like Beetlejuice was misogynistic. I mean, he was misogynistic, he but was, it was like but... he's playing a sleaze bag. Like he's supposed yeah, to. Yeah, I mean, that's, it's, he's supposed to be misogynistic. It's, yeah. it's intentional for sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I I don't think we need to litigate Beetlejuice, but yeah, I don't th- I don't think Beetlejuice needs to be worried about getting canceled. Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, that that's kind of the point is that he's misogynistic and an right. asshole. So yeah. I did like that his commercial where like he has the commercial. Oh, yeah. Like, call Beetlejuice three times. It was I, I just wrote down Better Call Beetlejuice because it reminded me really a lot funny. of like Better Call Saul. He also looked like the Tiger King. Uh, I did he not kinda looked like He kind of looked like Joe Exotic and that, no, that made I, me laugh. Uh, I did um, not notice that. Uh, <laughs> uh, what is that? Beetle King. Yeah, Beetle King. Beetle uh, King. I think th- we didn't even touch on it, but the classic where he's trying to get Lydia with the charades, where he's trying to get Lydia to yeah. guess his game, is just a great that. scene. Yeah, it really uh, is. I love like, old school, the old school Minute Maid carton. Yeah. I was like, oh yeah, that's what Minute Maid used to look like. Yeah. So. Did people still drink Minute Maid? Uh, well, the Astros play at Minute Maid Park. Oh, um, fair I think you can get it as like a fountain drink. I think it's owned hmm. by. So I think it's like one of their juice options. Oh, okay. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I haven't had Minute Maid in a while. Yeah, me neither. All right, well, back to ratings. Uh, so Molly writes in to say, so fun to see all these actors in their 80s glory. Love the intentionality, I'm sorry, intentionally cheesy practical effects compared with today's CGI. Winona Ryder and Catherine O'Hara are perfect. Michael Keaton is a national treasure. So funny here. Andy improvised most of his dialogue. Yeah, I found that in the research as well. So, uh, kind of sad to note Tim Burton would end up doing only weird remakes of everything after this. To me, the movie is still a perfect combination of all the parts. Five stars. Wow. 
Nice. Yeah, we Perfect. we touched on a lot of that, um, especially with Burton. Um, and I, I agree. It is unfortunate. Um, you know, after I think I still think Batman Returns is an incredible movie, um, both visually and it's just really, really fun. I think it holds up. Um, but yeah, it's really sad to see sort of what happened after with Tim Burton. Yeah. Um, um you know, I think it's interesting too. She touches on Michael Keaton and yeah. Um, I think Michael Keaton and Alec Baldwin both have had very interesting careers where yeah. they had they were like the next big thing, um, both comedically and in action movies. Right yeah, around this time they, a little bit after, and then just kind of dropped off the face of the earth and then came back in the last, you know, ten, fifteen years. Yeah, and had like these huge career resurgences. You know, I mean Keaton with uh you know, two really great performances in Birdman and Speederman. And then Baldwin now with um, 30 Rock and his SNL appearances. Um, I don't know if I'd say that's give, give or take, give or take, you know, your your mileage may vary on his uh, SNL appearances. I find it pretty wearisome, but, you know, some people seem to enjoy it. Who knows? My favorite part but, about Alec Baldwin, and I mentioned this to you yesterday. So, you know, when you click on the actor's name in Letterboxd, it automatically gets sorted by Letterboxd popularity. And so you <laughs> click on Alec Baldwin. And right. the top two movies for Alec Baldwin on Letterboxd are Black Klansman and A Star is Born. Uh, <laughs> not what I would think and of. And neither of which I remember him being in. Yeah. I do remember so, he was – see, he was the SNL host in A Star is Born. I do not remember him in Black Klansman. <laughs> yeah, it's like a cameo. I mean it's – The you know, irony of him being the SNL host in that movie is actually pretty funny. Yeah, Good I do job. not remember him at all. He, he must have had a very small – Oh, Was he the police captain? Yeah, he might have been the police captain of Black Klansman. Um all right, well, Jim writes in to say, Beetlejuice is still fun, even if it feels a bit dated, giving it a 3.5. Uh, our former co-host, Av, writes in saying he has zero feedback for this, but he ha- is giving it a rating of a 2.5. That is going to average us out to the 3.333333. So there you go with your three, Zach. Oh, yep. you got your yeah, three. perfect, yeah. You uh, this is an episode I am missing of being a regular host on this podcast, because I would I love so to hear why I... he only gave this a 2.5. I would think Yeah, would... I'm very curious. I, I yeah. don't think he would have cared for the humor very much, but I, I'm very curious. Well, yeah. the humor is at least subtle, and it's not British. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so my rating, uh, I, I kind of already touched on this earlier. I'm going to give this a four. Um, yeah. There, I think the second half is a five, and the yeah. first half is a three. Um, but yeah. I do think this movie is so creative. I, I just, I don't know if it was just like the Tim Burton was on all the drugs or what, I do not <laughs> know how he came up with both the story for this movie and the design. Um, I think the subtle humor that I didn't pick up on when I was a kid is great. This mm-hmm. definitely floats a little bit on nostalgia value for me too, because there are lines in this movie that I remember from growing up and that bumps it up a little bit for me. Um, and you know, I think the casting is great. Um, and I also am very happy that we have not gotten Beetlejuice 2 yet. I'm assuming that yeah. is coming. The Beetlejuice Netflix series, I'm going to pull my hair out when we get that. So, um, yeah, a four, a four for me. Um, Av, I wish you would have given some feedback. I'd be curious why you didn't look Yeah, for sure. So I am, I, I think I'm right in between where you and the listeners are, between a 3.5 and a 4. Um, but I'm leaning, I think, for a lot of the same reasons you said, and we talked about it. The performances really hold up. Some of the the visual style is so unique for when it happened, and the creature effects are incredible. Um, the fact that it's only ninety minutes actually ages really nicely. It's such a it's a it's still a brisk watch even for as 
uninteresting as some of the first half can be, I think I still, due to the creativeness of the movie itself, agree and have to give it a four as yeah. well. Um, I think it's going to be a four for me. But if you if you had to pin me down, I would say it's probably closer to like a three point seven five. But I, I'm going to like a three point eight. Yeah. So it's it's, it's a three point seven seven for us which we will average up to a four overall for letterbox purposes. Yeah, I think four, because since both hosts gave it a four. Correct. Yeah. Um, sorry, Av, yours, you know, if Av was a regular host, his 2.5 would have a lot more weight. But it but, is one of the lowest averaged um, rounding up fours we've ever given. Okay. Um, so it's it's a 3.77, which is like as low as it can get for us to round it up to a four. No, 3.76 you know. would be as low as it can get for us. Well, I don't think we've had any 3.76s. So um, yeah, and I do. So Jim did mention that it feels dated. I don't feel, for me, this movie doesn't feel dated. The only thing about it that feels dated is the like claymation mm-hmm. effects, especially when Beetlejuice is yes. the snake. But this movie's so quirky that it actually like works better than if that was a CG. Like if George Lucas came in and made that a CGI snake, it would not be as good. Um, right. I like that it's claymation. Oh. The, the thing I was going to mention also, like, I really liked the snake effect um, because visually it basically was taken right out of, um, Clash I don't of know Titans. if you ever saw, no, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street Dream Warrior. I don't uh, know if you've no. ever seen I've heard Dream that movie Warriors. come up all the time. I keep hearing that movie come up, but no, I've never Dream seen Dream Warriors. Anyway, um, so Freddy turns into a snake and it looks like a giant penis and he tries to eat someone. And uh, which one came out first? I, I'm pretty positive Dream Warrior came out first, but the visual gag and style of that animation was straight out of, of that that Freddy Freddy Krueger. It gave me the Freddy Krueger sense memory of yeah. Like, I've never giant, seen I've yeah. never seen Dream Warrior. That came out in 1987. So. Yeah, and I think it also owes a lot to it in terms of Beetlejuice having stripes and doing crazy things with his arms like Freddy does in those movies. Hmm. Like, it gives you a sense of memory that made Beetlejuice scarier if you also were familiar with Freddy Krueger. So you can draw a direct so. line from Dream Warrior all the way to Dick Tracy. Because this, <laughs> <laughs> that movie uh, went to Beetlejuice, which went to Batman, which went to Dick Tracy. Fair enough. Yes, so. yes, yes. Um, yeah, uh, maybe I'll have to add Dream Warrior. Maybe I'll have a reason to watch Dream Warrior sometime soon. Who knows? Um, also, a uh, great poster. The cover art that's oh, that's classic true. with Beetlejuice yeah. sitting on the house, and we have yeah, it's great. We have uh, headless uh, headless Adam and Barbara in her wedding dress, and then the yeah. family. It's just like if you like that is a poster. I would yeah, hang it's, up. A, it's a I would I would hang up that poster as well. It's a classic eighties poster, really yeah. good. So, all right, uh, well that yeah, like you said, that averages us to three point seven seven, which we're rounding up to a four. So, um, that is that is fun. All right, so let's get into Listener Connections now, and uh, we'll pick our movie for next week. Once we do pick that movie, make sure you send us your feedback on it and your next movie off of that. Uh, the ladder movie at gmail.com is the way you can email us, and at LadderMovie on Twitter as well, so you can send us your feedback. If we do pick your movie, if you're a listener sending it, uh, a movie and we pick it, uh, you can send us a voicemail. So just send it over email. Just send, do like a voice memo and send it over email. So if you would Absolutely. like Absolutely. Uh, we usually record Monday or uh, Tuesday nights now is when we're recording. So uh, you have a you have until like Tuesday morning to send that stuff in. 
Well, yeah. really, really, you have until about uh, 4.45 on Tuesday to send that in if you if you really want to get specific. So, all right. Uh, so yeah. for listener connections, we are leading it off with Jeff. He sent in uh, the Michael Keaton connection to Spider-Man Homecoming. So we did talk about Spider-Man, one of the uh, Keaton-assance movies. He also wrote in A League of Their Own, which stars Gina Davis. Yep. And Ferris Bueller's Day Off, which has Jeffrey Jones in the role of the principal. Uh, I yep. think Jeffrey Jones had, like, child porn, something. He, he's, like, yeah, we're not, we're not talking about Jeffrey Jones. Yeah, very, not, very bad scandal in his history. Yeah. And, and then, we should uh, acknowledge that. Yes. Yes, then, we uh, realize we can appreciate the acting of Jeffrey Jones in this film while also acknowledging what a dirt dirtbag he was. It's, so there you he go. just like uh, he yeah. just kind of lived up to the characters that he plays in all of these movies, really. Yeah, he's a pretty big dirtbag dirt on uh, Deadwood as well. So there you go. oh, he's in Deadwood as well. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then of course Jeff had to write in Young Frankenstein. Uh, that oh, is a comedy shit. horror. So that's that's I don't a, know. that's a good one. Also deals um, with the undead. Okay. Yep. Um, is there any? I'm surprised there's not any like cast that's in Young Frankenstein. It's also in this. I mean, I guess you well, could draw like a, a connection between. Tim Burton made a Willy Wonka movie, and Gene Wilder is in this, uh, is in Young Frankenstein, and also in the Willy Wonka movie. It's like a very <laughs> loose connection. It's All right. Very loose connection, sir. Uh, Jim, Jim Crumley wrote in, and he said Peter Jackson's The Frighteners is his pick. Uh, the Frighteners is a similar use of ghosts, and it's an appropriate theme for how, for October, the spooky month. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think I've seen The Frighteners. I don't think I knew I that that was either, and I Peter think Jackson. it's been, I think it was recommended a couple, months ago but i don't remember what the connection was okay um i think yeah did that have michael j fox in it i believe it did it did okay. yeah i believe he's a paranormal investigator okay um so v wrote in and i'm, I'm he said i think this is an obvious one we'll see if other people had uh the agree but he said he is writing it for one of his all-time favorite films edward scissorhands yep. uh one of my all-time scariest movies for me this movie terrified me as a kid and i still like am very scared of edward scissorhands Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, we pick it, we pick it. Uh, he said the reasons are very obvious. Obviously, Tim Burton, similar aesthetic, Danny Elfman score. Uh, we did not talk about the Danny Elfman score at all, but oh, uh, this, I mean, Danny Elfman is an icon, and he does everything and is in everything, and he's probably actually scored a couple of the movies we've done so far. Um, I, uh, I do think that I think that's scored. the connection to Dick Tracy. I believe yeah. Danny Elfman did the score for Dick Tracy. I believe so too. Um, and he, uh, let's see. I do not know if he did Dick Tracy. I don't see it coming up on here. Hmm. He's done a ton of movies, though. Yeah. It, yeah. It might, oh, yeah. He did do Dick Tracy. Um, he also did The Frighteners um, yeah. as well. Okay. So, um, but I think Dick Tracy is the only Danny Elfman movie we've covered, although there are so many movies on here. It is kind of hard to I'm just kind of right. scanning real quick. Um, but th- I just think the score in Deuce is really good. It, it's just like a classic. Do, 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 yeah, it's do. like just just creepy enough. That like, yeah, it's and it gets you like excited for an adventure. Um, yeah, I think I think that I think Beetlejuice is one of his best scores. I would say. I agree. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. Um, but I do think those are the only two movies that we've talked about on this podcast that Danny Elfman has scored. Uh, yeah, that I'm seeing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. So, uh, he also said, um, he has a more personal connection. So, so Svi continues, he says, growing up in the New Jersey, New York City area without cable TV, non-NFL Sundays were dominated by whatever double features were being shown on WB11, which is now the yeah. CW. He said at least four to five times a year, it was Beetlejuice connecting to Edward Scissorhands as that double feature. I can't think of one movie without thinking of the other. 
Fair. That's fair enough. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm definitely less scared of Beogius than I am of Edward Scissorhands. Oh, uh, yeah. All right. So Olin wrote in. He said, Frankenweenie. That has Catherine O'Hara and Winona Ryder team up with Tim Burton once again. It's a horror comedy. Is that the, right. It's like an animated... It's movie. Claymation, yeah. It's yeah, Claymation. the Claymation animation, yeah. Um, and then he also suggested Demolition Man, which has the same actor who played Otho is in it, which we talked about earlier. Yep. And it also deals with themes of manipulating people's afterlife transition. Yep. Childhood favorite. Took me a couple minutes to realize where I realized Shaddix from and was certainly, uh, was certainly happy to have the nomination. Uh, yeah. He knows Brennan must like it with his casual drop of the reference in the Happy Death Day episode. What was your Absolutely. casual reference? Absolutely. Uh, uh, I believe I said every restaurant was going to be Taco Bell. Oh, yes. And, yeah. That's like the one thing I remember from Demolition Man. That and the, yeah, like, absolutely. Like a weird sex thing in that, too, where they like don't really have sex. <laughs> yeah, they're, 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 sex. yeah, they're, they're yeah. So. yeah. Socially uh, distanced relations. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was ahead of its time. Uh, it was ahead not, of its time. We're not quite we're not quite to the year of Demolition Man. All right. And Molly wrote in uh, The Others, which is one of the better haunted house movies starring Nicole yes. Kidman. Um, Absolutely. She also, she also said Candyman, when murderous uh, Candyman is summoned by saying his name repeatedly. They're also remaking Candyman. Uh, I think it was supposed to come out this year. I'm not sure when it still is. But uh, Jordan yeah, Peele. I don't uh, know if it's going to be streaming. I know it was supposed to come out this year, but um, I would have to look that up. Yeah. And uh, Defending Your Life is her other one, Albert Brooks movie with a humorous take on the afterlife where you get a caseworker or instead of a caseworker, you get a lawyer helping you. So um, you've seen the others, right? I have not in a really long time. Yeah, Um, I I rewatched it. I rewatched it a few months ago because it was I wasn't doing anything and it was on AMC on a Sunday night. But I think it was before maybe before. Before, what was I watching on HBO? It was before, oh, it was before Watchmen on it, before turning to Watchmen on HBO. Um, it was on, and I just remembered how much I loved it. It was, it was so good. Such a great Nicole Kidman performance. Yeah, I've, I've just never been like a huge um, haunted house movie fan. Yeah, it's, but... that's what I prefer. I don't, I don't like like the gory saw type horror movies. I want like the ghost story, the the psychological. <laughs> Yeah, Candyman's good pushback to 2021. Thank you for uh, buffering time. Oh, there we go. <laughs> filibustering, yes. Yeah, filibustering. Uh, so, uh, and also, uh, Mac Johnson, we, uh, my co-host on Bond Podcast, when I do those, uh, mm-hmm. I asked him for any connections, and he said the Beetlejuice cartoon, which this is not the TV ladder, but uh, he recommends the Beetlejuice cartoon. But he did say for movies, he said we could connect to Dune. Um, I'm assuming that's Oh, because of the sandworms, yeah. Yeah, because of the sandworms. Uh, see, old Dune. He also said Sleepy Hollow. Said keep yeah. the Tim Burton Halloween train rolling. And uh, yeah, so uh, Sleepy Hollow and and Dune were the two. I'm assuming the Dune is the old one, not the. He doesn't want us uh, to. Yeah, work, the, the like, old one. Yeah, the one. That I always got to wait like a year for the next. Uh, wasn't that really long though? Was isn't that with like Sting and it's like five hours long? I was gonna say David Bowie, but you might be right. It's Sting. I think it's Sting. Yeah, but yeah. So. Uh, not the wrestler. No, no, no. Sting the, sting the <laughs> musician. So, uh, all right. So we have our connections now. And then um, since there's only the two of us, we'll pick one host, one listener connection to have a final four. Absolutely. Instead of just a final three, since we don't have a guest today. Um, right. You want me to go first with mine? Or I'm going to go first with mine. So I had a lot of really good connections this week. Um, I, it's been hard to narrow down and decide which ones I actually want to include. 
But I will give my selections, and then I will give a couple of honorable mentions afterwards of ones that didn't quite make it. So the first movie I really thought of, because they at the beginning of the movie, they talk about how the house is kind of falling apart, and they're going to put so much money into it to rebuild oh. it and reshape it. And so it reminded me of The Money Pit mm-hmm. with Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks, yeah. And the house oh, that movie's just very falling funny. apart around them. Yep. Um, the other movie that... Uh, immediately came to mind watching this is the um original amityville horror of from 1979 it's about a family who moves into a old house and the spirits of the house do not want them there and try to get them out um the other one that i'm going to include because beetles are so important in this movie there's another horror movie that centers around a flying insect and that's going to be the fly that was on my list uh, you know, there's another connection to The Fly. Gina Davis <laughs> is in The Fly as well. Oh, yeah, you're right. Gina Davis is in The Fly. So the other end, the final one that I'm going to include is uh, the original Night of the Living Dead, because mm-hmm. when they bring Gina Davis and Alec Baldwin back to life, they're, like, really creepy zombified, and it reminded me a lot of Night of the Living Dead and the creature effects that were used for the zombies in that. They actually name check so, Night of the Living Dead as they well. Do. I, they do. I don't too. remember who it was yeah. that said it, but somebody brings up uh, Night of the Living Dead. I think Otho does. I think Otho name checks Night of the Living Dead. But yeah, it was. Yeah, so those were the four. And then I had a few honorable mentions, including the uh, Joaquin Phoenix and Ghost Story. Um, Let's see. Poltergeist, I thought about. Sixth Sense, I thought about, because I see dead people. Mm, yep. Um. And we are Marshall. I wrote down when you mentioned it, but those were my. Uh, what big was the Joaquin Phoenix one? Uh, a ghost, ghost story. Okay. Is that because he's I, walking around in sheet? Yeah, that's not Joaquin Phoenix though. Is that uh, not Joaquin Phoenix? No, I love that movie too. That's um Affleck's brother, Casey Affleck. Oh, is that Casey Affleck? And I don't know. I thought it was Joaquin Phoenix. Okay. Uh, I, I get them mixed up. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I'm up for watching. Well, you didn't even pick it, so it's an honorable mention. Yeah. I highly exactly. recommend that movie. That movie is it's not scary. It's just like very yeah. Uh, like uh uh i don't even know what you would call it, like methodological like yeah. it's it's slow but it's i i thought that movie was phenomenal i really really like that so if you're looking for something to watch it's like a ghost movie that's really not scary at all it's just kind of like um just emotional i would say check out a ghost story okay. so uh all right so my yeah. connections uh so i did have the fly on my list as well so i will take that one off um so you know since we are talking about halloween movies and uh tim burton i picked a nightmare before christmas nice. i've not seen that since that came out jack skelling what's this yes what's this what's, what's this? this yeah uh do another musical that would be fun i guess is nightmare before christmas musical i guess i guess it is um and then it got it got brought up earlier but it's a tim burton movie i've never seen i do like the original that this one is based on so i put uh charlie wonka and the chocolate factory is what i wrote in my comment yeah uh i think because i wasn't sure if it was charlie and the chocolate factory or i can never remember either which one is which and then uh two horror movies that i've never seen that both came up when i was searching for like uh demonic possession ghost movies yeah. uh one is the exorcist so nice. never seen, that's one of my blind spots never seen the exorcist i know it's uh, my brother just watched it recently so it's great and I know people love it. It's very scary. Pretty, and the other sure. is yeah. uh, another one that I've had on my Halloween list for a long time. That is the Babadook. So Ooh. I've never seen the Babadook. So have you seen that one? I did. Um, I liked it. It was very slow, I thought, but it was, it was really effective. Um, really creepy. I thought it was really well done. Yeah. yeah. Um. So uh, 
Yeah, that, I've had that movie on my list to watch for a while. Uh, that and then there's another one that's like it. it starts with an S, and I cannot remember the name of it right now. Um, but it's another it's another like what's been on my my Halloween watch list for a while, and I just have that. Slender Man. No, not Slender Man. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Uh, no, I know this is like killing me that I can't think of this movie now. Um, it's a remake. It starts with an S. I know people are yelling at their phones right now as I I'm trying really to have this. Uh, I think it's about like a dance. It's like about like dancers, like a dancing studio. Black uh, Swan. No, uh, it starts with an S. I'm like looking through my letterbox watch list right now to try to find it because this is driving me nuts. Um, <laughs> all right, you read off all the all the movies. All right, so we're gonna we're gonna go from the top. So we have Spider-Man: Homecoming, League of Their Own, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Young Frankenstein, The Frighteners, Edward Scissorhands, Franken Frankenweenie, Demolition Man, The Others, Candyman, Defending Your Life, Edward Scissorhands again, Dune. Or Sleepy Hollow. And then we get into our connections. We have The Money Pit, The Amityville Horror, 1979, The Fly, and the original Night of the Living Dead. And then you wrote in with Nightmare Before Christmas, Charlie Wonka in the Chocolate Factory, <laughs> The Exorcist, and The Baba Duck Duck Duck. Ah, oh, and I still cannot find this movie. That was on my. Oh, this is, this is driving me nuts. <laughs> oh, what is that movie called? Uh, oh, man. It's so. Yeah, all right. It's like about like a crazy like dance uh, academy. And at least that's all I know. I've never seen it. It's been on my list. So I think that's all I know. I have no idea what you're talking oh, about. I can't like focus on anything else. I'm like <laughs> like clicking around trying to find this movie. It's got to be somewhere on this list. Um, oh man, this is this is awful. All right, I, I just get. I guess I just. <laughs> this is bad cat podcasting, but no, like, it's a great podcasting because oh, Suspiria. That's it. Oh Suspiria. yeah, I remember them talking about that on Phil Scotting. Yeah, yeah. I didn't uh, realize it was about a dance academy. I don't know why. I, I think that's what it's about. Um, <laughs> I don't know why I even brought this okay. up. Suspiria and the Babadook have been on my, like, these movies right are on. supposed to be scary and people recommend them list. Yeah. Uh, so Suspiria is not even one I'm recommending, but I just <laughs> had to fill that hole in my brain. So What are we even right. doing here? <laughs> now I'm ready for Final Four. Um, all right. So we each right. get to pick one of each other's movies and then a listener movie yep. as well. And so we'll have a Final Four and we'll pick. Yep. Um, you you go first. You pick from the list. So because multiple people wrote it in, I have to choose Edward Scissorhands. I figured. And then I'm also going to pick The Frighteners. Because no, you have to pick one of mine. Oh, you you're pick right. Pick a listener, and then you pick one of mine. Oh, you're right. Sorry. So I'll pick my listener, and then you can pick mine. Okay, go for it. Uh, so, yeah, you picked uh, Edward Scissorhands. Uh, I'm going to go with def- – I'm going to go with Young Frankenstein. I think it's you know it's Halloween time. I think it might finally be time to do this one, cross this one off the list. Okay. So, I wouldn't hate it. Yeah. I'm happy to revisit Young Frankenstein. It's really fun. Yeah. It's a really um, fun movie. And, All right, and so, that 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 is one I've never seen. So yeah. Um, and if I'm going to pick one of yours, I'm gonna stick with Halloween. And since you've never seen the Babadook, I think we would. It would be our first true horror movie we've ever done. And I think it would be really fun. For us, um, so I will pick the Babadook from your list. All right, which from your list, since it was on my list, I'll go with the Fly. Fair. It's also, you know, in the news right now as well. So yeah, fair uh, enough. All right, so our final four is Edward Scissorhands, Young Frankenstein, the Babadook, and the Fly. Um, I'll do a quick as you talk about these. I'll do a quick check and see if anything's streaming. Yeah. yeah. So the biggest the biggest connection, obviously, with Edward Scissorhands is Burton and Johnny Depp. It's got that weird gothic look to all of the actors and the setting. It's got that surrealistic atmosphere. 
Um, so it's got a, re- a lot of really good connections. Young Frankenstein obviously has um, someone trying to raise the dead and in a very unconventional way. Um, I'd say that's the main um, connection to Beetlejuice. And then it, you know, then what happens when those people are brought back from the dead is very horrifying, much like uh, much like what happens to our poor Frankenstein's monster in this film. Uh, the Babadook, as you said, is a more recent classic horror movie mm-hmm. that a lot of people really love. It's really intense. Um, and then The Fly is a sort of gross-out 80s horror movie um, that really is about uh, transformation, and it's more of a love story um, between a fly and his girlfriend, played by Gina Davis. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's Jeff Goldblum. It is Jeff Goldblumiest. Um, it's Gina Davis. Really great performance. Um, I could see doing any of these, to be honest. I um, think if I had to knock one off, I don't necessarily want to go straight in. I would knock off Edward Scissorhands because it's the least horror movie of the four. Yeah, not in my book. It's not. It's but terrifying. what do you what do what do you think? Um. So I just pulled up streaming, and um, three of the four movies are streaming on Stars. Oh. And good news if you do not have Stars, uh, Amazon is doing a special right now where it's 99 cents for the next two months. So if you just go to Slick Deals, you should be able to find it. Or if you Google Stars Deal, um, even if we don't pick a movie that's on Stars, you know, $2 for two months of Stars, and it's very easy to turn that off. Mm-hmm. And it says new subscribers only, but I had canceled my Stars a month ago, and I was able to sign back up for it at that 99 cent rate. So, yeah. Um, so Young Frankenstein, The Fly, and Edward Scissorhands are all on Stars. The Babadook is okay. not streaming anywhere. Um, really? It's not even on Amazon anymore? No, not on, well, it's on Amazon. You can buy it. You can buy it. But I thought yeah. I, I'm pretty sure I streamed it on Amazon last year. Mm-hmm. So, so no. yeah, they must have. You know, they take those off when it's Halloween. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, I. As much as I want to do Young Frankenstein, and I feel bad that Jeff keeps suggesting it, and we're not picking it. I just don't think it's really connected. Besides being like a, and that's like a spoof. So the comedy in Young Frankenstein is a lot different than the comedy in Beetlejuice. For sure. Um, so I just don't think the connection there is strong enough. Fair enough. Um, sorry, Jeff. Someday. Uh, and I'm kind of leaning towards The Fly just because the Gina Davis connection, so that's a second connection besides like the gross out effects of right. like a horror movie. Um, well, came then, out a couple years before. And then it's also in the news right now. People, and I mean, you have the scene with the talking beetle as well. Like, I mean... Oh yes, okay. Yeah, um, I mean it's a beetle, a beetle, a fly. You know, it's it's right up there. It's it's a natural insect connection. Yeah. Um, I kind of wonder about taking it to a poll between the fly and Edward Scissorhands. I don't know. Those are the two that I'm like leaning towards. I I think the Babadook I would like to see. Um, again, I just don't know if the connection is there. And fair enough. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, I I guess I you wouldn't. Do you want to do a poll or do you want to do a coin flip between the fly oh, and Edward Scissorhands? We could do a coin flip. I don't have a coin. Do you have a coin next to you? I do, actually. Okay. Yeah. So between the fly and Edward Scissorhands. Um, yep. Or, I mean, I guess, I don't know. Like, is the Babadook, do you think there be, like, you've seen the Babadook. Is, is there enough to talk about about the Babadook? I don't think necessarily there is, but I think it's more intriguing to watch something you haven't watched. Right. So. And I've seen both Edward Scissorhands and the fly. And you've okay. seen You've seen, I've seen both. both. Just yeah. I haven't watched either, obviously, in forever. Um, and I don't even know if I've seen all of the fly. Um, um I'm not a huge fan of gross out horror, which is why I'm not as into watching the fly. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe you could try something and realize. Well, maybe I could try something and maybe I could say how much I hate it. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? Yeah, <laughs> screw it. Let's do the fly. You want to do the fly? Fun. Yeah, let's right. do it. Let's do yeah. the fly. Uh, maybe we can get Jim Carrey to uh, come on the podcast and, <laughs> and do his impression of Jeff Goldblum. Fair uh, enough. Yeah. All right. Well, that was easy. Um, Point for me. Yay. Thank you for saving me from uh, from having to watch Edward Scissorhands again. And also, uh, I, I should have gotten a point as well because I had I had the fly on my list, but uh, that's okay. Hey, you took it how me. dare you? You claimed it. Uh, so if you're trying to watch the fly, it is on Stars. If you are not a Stars subscriber, you can scr- subscribe on Amazon for 99 cents. Or you can rent it. Uh, also, I'm assuming The Fly is available at your local library, so check there. Most likely. Um, and I don't think The Fly is really that scary. It's just kind of like – it's Cronenberg, which he does a lot of like that body horror. So um, there's some kind of – but it's, it's like – It's very but 80s, but it's like so <laughs> 80s effects. I, I don't think I, – right. I do not think it's going to be scary. I do not think it's going to be scary. Okay. okay. Um, and I haven't seen her in a long time. I think the last time I saw it was on like VHS probably. Um, <laughs> but – People love their Cronenberg. It's also, again, pretty short, 96 minutes, so another another quick one. Yeah. Um, and, oh, it's on Ob's watch list. I oh, see. there you go. And also on Nolan's watch list. So two of our listeners are going to get to check a movie off their watch list. So, oh, we, we like that. Uh, I'm just looking to see if any other listeners on Letterboxd have rated it. Um, it does not look that way. Uh, but, yeah, so we're going to be watching The Fly next week. The connection is uh, the Gross Out 80s horror uh or gross out 80s effects uh gina davis and a talking insect talking beetle insect titles yes um and we're gonna get some some uh very dreamy jeff goldblum and if you watched snl this week they actually parodied the fly in their cold open (laughs) so uh that is beetlejuice the fly i guess that works yeah also like insect in the title so it works on lots of titles yeah that's that's a good connection i'm I'm excited for the i'll take it yeah um and, right, uh, and this is the 1986 version of the fly. I do think there's a couple absolutely. other versions. I think there's like a 60s version. There, are, uh, there are also, um, yeah, there are other versions. There are also sequels. We're not messing with any of that. Um, just the original 1986 the fly. Yeah, there's oh, there's a version from 1908. Whoa. There's uh, there's a version. I don't know if it's all the same, but there's a movie from 1908, a movie from 1958, a movie from 1967, 1980. And 2014, in addition to the 1986. We're watching the 1986 David Cronenberg version of The Fly. Absolutely. Um, okay, the 2014 version is only a seven-minute movie, so I'm not sure if that's... <laughs> that's not real. Uh, the 1908 version is a French movie, A Pesky Fly and the Determination to Get It. Oh, that's like... Uh, oh, that this, this is a one-minute movie from 1908. I have no yeah. idea how you would even find it. Um, but this must have been the inspiration for that episode of Breaking Bad. Ah, yeah, it could be. Yeah, oh, too bad it's not TV ladder, right? It's true. Um, the 1958 version. Um, yeah. Okay, yes, yeah, so the 1958 anyway. version is, uh, is, this is a remake of the 1958 movie, the one that we're watching. Um, yeah. And the 1967 version, I don't know if that's, uh, that's only a nine-minute movie. That's weird. There's a lot of shorts named The Fly. All right, yeah. we'll, we'll have more facts about The Fly next week. But uh, we will be talking about The Fly from 1986. All right. So uh, if you have connections off of The Fly or you have a rating and your feedback, email that in themovieladder at gmail.com or at LadderMovie on Letterboxd and Twitter. Of course, we do also update that Letterboxd watch list each week. 
with the sure. uh, movies that get suggested in. So if you're looking for something to watch, uh, such as The Babadook or some of these spooky movies, check out that watch list as well. So, all right, Brendan, um, what are you going to be watching the next week? Hmm, great question. So I am going to be continuing Fargo, which I've really been enjoying. Actually, I have your podcast from this week queued up to listen to as soon as this is over. And I actually need to check out a couple of movies on Netflix that just dropped that I'm trying to find um, time for. Um, I did watch Dick Johnson is Dead, and there's a couple other movies that I really want to watch that have just hit there, as well as, um, obviously, I'm stalling for time because I closed my letterbox already. And That's all right. One thing. You only, have, you only have to pick one thing that you're going to be watching the next Yeah, movie. I mean, obviously, I'm going to keep going on Fargo, loving Fargo, and the really season finale. the last movie, or the last episode of Fargo that we just, my brother and yeah, I Yeah, that was the best episode really so far. And Sunday is the season finale of Lovecraft Country, so I'm really excited for that. Um, it was a really good episode last week. Oh, Hubie Halloween, I actually wanted was oddly intrigued really? by it because I've been hearing good things. Oh, interesting. I haven't heard anything. For a but... for a cheesy Adam Sandler movie that came out on Netflix, that's a Halloween movie. Um, it's called Hubie Halloween, and apparently it's not that bad. Hmm. So I'm intrigued. Um, we'll see. Oh, Maybe I I'll have a, Hubie... have a connection to The Fly for next week. That's a movie that's too. on my watch list. I actually do, too. Oh, I have nice. a connection for Jeff. Jeff, send in Young Frankenstein again. Because <laughs> it, there's a more direct connection next week. Um, <laughs> all right. So, yeah, my uh, what I'm going to watch next week. So I have Before Midnight out from the library. It's due back yes. in a couple of days. So I need to watch that. For my movie, monthly movie challenge, at some point before the end of the month, I need to watch a movie based on uh, a book that's from uh, the pre-20th century. So okay. I'm gonna do uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula, which we brought up nice. on this podcast. There you go. So, some point, I think it's on Netflix still. Um, it should be. Yeah. So that's my uh, those two are we're gonna watch. There you go. Nice. All right. Um, well, that that wraps things up for us. So we're gonna be talking about the fly next week. Brendan, where can people follow you? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at FidzyBrendan, on Letterboxd at BrendFids11, on Instagram at FidzyBrendan as well. Uh, that's about all I got for today. All right. Yep. And you can follow me at BrooksZA. Uh, and yeah, as Brendan said, my brother and I are going through Fargo each week. So you heard Aaron on the podcast last week. Um, he's going to be doing the uh, podcast on the uh what is that not american horror story i always call it american horror story what's the show you're watching <laughs> oh fly uh, manor fly yeah. manor yeah so he's gonna be doing that follow him at aaron jay brooks if you're watching that show him and i are talking about fargo each week on the digesting fargo podcast <laughs> so we just wrapped up episode four of season four of the pretend war just released that podcast mm-hmm. we actually were able to record that in person because uh he's in town right now and we did our covid testing quarantining and he was able to come visit nice. for the first time in almost a year good bloody minute yeah, but uh, recording a podcast in person, I thought I had the, the microphones all set up correctly, and it seems like only his microphone was recording, so uh, no. it's not, the levels aren't too bad, but I do sound like I'm yelling from very far away. Um, and he's very, <laughs> it's more that he sounds super clear, and I sound not that clear. Well, um, it was about time the, the shoe was on the other foot. Was right, yeah, I'm always complaining about his sound quality, and now it's finally my sound quality. It's awful. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, uh, otherwise we'll be, we'll be doing that next week, uh, episode five out of 11 nice. so we're almost halfway through that season of fargo after next week which is crazy that's fantastic yeah and uh who knows maybe maybe there'll be a bond podcast coming <laughs> we shall see so uh with that we will be back next week i have to figure out what song we're gonna play for the fly i don't know any songs that are in the, the movie of fly for our outro Learn to fly 
Yeah. The, oh, there we go. Yeah. So we're gonna get some, we're gonna get some Jeff Goldblum action next week. Get ready for it. So fly. Coming up next week. Life will find a way.